Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Everybody needs electrolytes, especially if you're following a low-carb ketogenic diet, if you're doing intermittent fasting, or if you're performing high-intensity exercise and you're sweating a lot. Electrolytes are critical for all the nerve function in your body, for producing energy. And if you don't have electrolytes, you're going to feel fatigued. You're going to have brain fog. You're just not going to feel good. In fact, a lot of people that are doing a low-carb diet end up with a condition called keto flu, and that's because they're not getting the electrolytes they need. This is why I love the company Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs, and it's perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet, or for high-level athletes. In fact, Element actually provides their electrolytes for U.S. Olympic teams, as well as many different professional athletes in the NFL, as well as the NBA. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. That means 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. You know, the average sports drink out there, the popular sports drinks, they have about 260 milligrams of sodium, 65 milligrams of potassium, no magnesium, and 29 grams of sugar per serving. That is a lot of sugar and not a lot of electrolytes. Again, Element has 1,000 milligrams of sodium, which is critical because when you're on a low-carb diet, your insulin levels go down. And when insulin goes down, you excrete sodium. You need more sodium to maintain your energy levels and to really feel and function at your best. You also need potassium, and that's why it has 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Magnesium's critical, and most sports drinks don't even have magnesium. They certainly don't have enough potassium. Now, as a member of our community, Element has a very special offer for you you can claim your free Element sample pack. So you get it for free. You only cover the cost of shipping, which is basically $5 in the United States. You can get this at drinkelement.com forward slash drjockers. That's drinkelement, which is lmnt.com forward slash drjockers. Each sample pack includes different flavors like citrus, raspberry, watermelon, orange, 
And they're flavored with stevia. They also have an unflavored. So they're flavored with stevia, which is not going to impact your blood sugar. And I just really enjoy the element. It really, really refreshing. If you're looking for refreshment, for energy, for high-performance fuel, then try this out. It's got all the essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. So again, try it out. Drinkelement.com forward slash drjockers. And you get your free sample pack of seven packets, and you only cover the cost of shipping. So try that out today. If we're going to be healthy in the 21st century, we have got to keep inflammation under control. Inflammation is literally the root cause of all the different degenerative chronic health conditions, things like Alzheimer's, heart disease, Parkinson's disease, cancer, diabetes. These are all characterized by chronic inflammation. And so I went ahead and I interviewed some of the top experts in the world when it comes to inflammation and I actually created a summit. It was called the Chronic Inflammation Summit. We hosted it in May of 2021. You may have listened, you may not have, but I wanted to share some of my favorite interviews on this podcast. And this is one of them. You guys are going to get so much value out of this podcast. And if you know anybody that's struggling with any sort of chronic health conditions, maybe they have pain in their body, digestive issues, autoimmunity, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, brain issues, please share this podcast with them. It could literally change and save their lives. And if you haven't already, take a moment and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives. Thanks so much for doing that. And let's go into the show. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Chronic Inflammation Summit. I've got a great guest here. This is Dr. Dan Pompa. He's one of my mentors when it comes to natural health and healing. He's the author of The Cellular Healing Diet and Beyond Fasting. And he's been training doctors and healthcare practitioners now for, gosh, seems like 20 years. And he is a leading expert in the natural health world. You can find his website, drpompa.com. He's just a wealth of information. You can find him on YouTube, his podcast as well, Cellular Healing TV. And we're going to be talking about heavy metals. We're going to talk about toxins and how they impact us at the cellular level and how they can drive up inflammation. You guys are going to love this interview, so be sure to stay tuned. So, Dr. Pompa, welcome to the summit. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we go way back, and uh, I know your story, obviously, you have uh, shared it many times now, and how you were uh, poisoned by mercury and, and other toxins, and how that impacted your life and, and your road to recovery. So I'd love for you to share that with our audience. Yeah, I mean, just briefly, I, you know, like so many people, right? My story started with like, gosh, I'm fatigued. Like, what, what's going on? And I, that's weird for me. And, you know, being an athlete, uh, was training for some, you know, big bike races, you know, I was putting in probably 250, 300 miles a week. So of course I thought I was overtraining. I cut back and it wasn't working. I cut back more. It was getting worse, frankly. <laughs> so, yeah. and then it went to headaches. Then it went to insomnia, anxiety, these weird digestive problems I never had before. You know, so mine didn't kind of just creep up on me. It was kind of abrupt, which was very odd. Uh, you know, so, you know, like most, I, I, you know, I dropped into thinking, okay, I fried my adrenals, uh, my thyroid, my hair was thinning, like, you know, just mm. weird things that, uh, you know, I knew were thyroid and adrenal related, but it, it wasn't working. It was, you know, it, it was just kind of helping some things, but some things were actually getting worse. And, you know, fast forward, unfortunately, 
it took me some years to realize that, you know, I had been mercury poisoned. Now, that poisoning, just to be clear, started when I was a child, you know, in utero, you know, my mother had a bunch of silver fillings, which contained 50% mm. mercury. There's a study called the DRASH study that shows that the number of fillings in mom mouth, mom's mouth is proportional to how much ends up in the baby's brain. Look, I know it started there. Even as a kid looking back, I had some weird, you know, sensitivities, you know, like just like chemically and different things. And, you know, but I was healthy. Uh, you know, I grew up a very healthy life, so I've never had any issues. But, you know, other than these like weird sensitivity things that I'd looked back and saw. But, um, you know, I also had other exposures. I wore contact lenses uh, in the 70s, 80s and 90s, which early 90s. Yeah. They had mercury in that. So hmm. bottom line is I accumulated mercury through my life to where one day my bucket overflowed, right? Yeah. And I have a cup of hot tea here. Imagine right now it's about this full. Okay. So <laughs> if I stressed it, I could easily right. spill tea. Well, that's what happened to me. Uh, the day I got my amalgam fillings, I had two uh, taken out by a good friend of mine because they were old. And he was like, hmm. these things look bad, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to take them out. What I found out was days after that is actually when my fatigue started. I never put it together. The, you know, that was kind of what made my bucket overflow, right. right? But remember, this bucket started filling all through my life only to one day overflow. And that's kind of the mistake that I see people make, right? It's not, it wasn't just that event. It's kind of what led up to it. But, you know, that led me um, to research on how to get this stuff out of me safely and effectively. And most of it was in my brain. And that's what was mm. driving my thyroid to malfunction, my adrenals to malfunction. So much of why people don't feel well. It's neurotoxic, but it's in the brain. And that's what I've dedicated my adult career and, you know, teaching how to get that out of people. Yeah, for sure. Really powerful story. And so what are the, what are the most common toxins and toxin, toxic exposures that you're seeing people uh, encountering in today's day and age? You know, I, I think right now it's it's in vogue to to realize at least that hey, I'm toxic, right? And it's a very yeah. general statement. Um, you know, when we look at that bucket theory, you know, toxins are filling up our yeah. bucket. We can talk about things like um, you know plastics. We can talk about bad air, bad water, and all those things are relevant, all of them. Mm -hmm. However, I would say the three, and I've dealt with helping very, very sick people from around the world virtually. And I can tell you that I've learned that there's three that most practitioners and people miss that drive inflammation, the topic of the day, specifically cellular inflammation, brain inflammation, neuroinflammation, and lead to the majority of the bizarre and unexplainable symptoms that I had and so many people have that start generally with fatigue and go to brain fog yeah. and anxiety and can't sleep and hormone dysregulation. You know, I mean, how much of this do we hear? Okay, so the three big ones that I think that most people miss, you know, I would say, okay, heavy metals, but heavy metals detoxed correctly. And you know, that's a big part yeah. of what I teach because mm -hmm. people think, oh, I, I've done that. I've taken Corella, cilantro, I've done this, done. Right. It's not so simple. Um, the other big one is mold. A lot of people mm. are in mold exposures. It portions of their life presently in the past that lead to big, big, 
problems and it's it leaves people sick and sensitive to neurotoxins and they mm. don't know why um, and it's often missed because you don't see mold and then also uh, hidden infections I would say is the third that people miss what I mean by that is things like cavitations root canals a lot of these infections are in the jaw unknowingly and keep people very sick and very sensitive so you know, those three, I think people should, in fact, pay more attention to is if you don't feel well, you feel like you've tried everything, you feel like you've adjusted your diet, your hormones still aren't right, you know, look in, uh, you know, under some of those stones. Yeah, it's really good. And we've had several uh, guests talk about those things. And those are, are challenging ones to identify and also to eliminate as well. Uh, but they're so important. And so let's talk about cellular healing. You've got this great quote that says, you know, to get well, you got to fix the cell. So why is that so important to go to the cellular level? Well, look, when you look at, you know, my, my own story, right? When I look why I had so many weird symptoms, my cells weren't working. I, it sounds yeah. like a general statement, but I couldn't produce enough cellular energy. Therefore, my cells wouldn't get rid of toxins. Therefore, my cell's DNA was being altered, triggered. I was triggering, turning on genes for certain conditions and symptoms. And people tend to focus on that instead of, wait a minute, you know, what is going on in my cells? And, and the, the five R's that I teach has become mm -hmm. a roadmap to what we need to do as practitioners and people that are not feeling well to fix. Um, Number our number one is you have to remove the sources. We just talked about mm -hmm. the hidden, some yeah. of those hidden sources. Our number two is you have to regenerate your cell membranes. Uh, there's inner and outer membranes of the cell and, and not to get bogged down in the science, but what everything that comes into your cells and out, like meaning nutrients that your cells need to function normally and toxins coming out, always determined and dictated by that membrane or the health of the membrane. Mm. And so that is critical. If you're going to detox successfully and correctly, you have to understand the science around the membrane. R3 is restoring cell energy. I said mine was, you know, absolutely disrupted. But that cell energy is what determines successful detox. And yet people don't even understand it. We can't mm. just take things and say, oh, I'm detoxing. We can't just take right. herbs and poop better and say, I'm detoxing, right? You know, so it really is a cellular issue. And if we don't restore cell energy, if we don't fix the membrane, we're not really detoxing. And then fourth is understanding the inflammation pathways of the cell and fixing those. And the fifth R5 is reestablishing methylation that parallels um, glutathione. This is natural yeah. ways your uh, cells get rid of um, toxins. So that kind of represents a core of what we need to do. And there's, there's a lot more around that that I teach. But the point is, this real detox has to be at the cell. You have to fix these pathways. Yeah. Otherwise, you can do all the liver cleanses, saunas, poopers you want to do, and you're not going to get your life back. I did them all, and I was not right. successful. But if we can fix these pathways, we have a yeah. chance. Now, there's a time and a place for helping open up all those drainage pathways, like getting the colon, the liver, things like that. But it's kind of like the first step. It's not where a lot of people think they did their yearly cleanse when they do that. But it's really kind of the first step, kind of prepping the body for yeah. a deeper cleanse. Yeah, I'm, I'm not against saunas. I'm not against yeah. pooper. I'm not against, <laughs> yeah, I'm not against any of those things. You're right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes, you know, we need to push that pathway, right? But you're right, you know, but the, the point 
you're not going to get well just with those. Right. You, in, in part of my detox is there's a prep phase where yeah. we actually prepare the cell and those downstream detox pathways, the liver, the kidney, the gut, right? We yeah. prepare them. And then there's a body phase where we're just getting rid of most of the easy to get toxins. And then there's a brain phase, which is a deep phase. And that's really what got my life back and thousands of others. Yeah. And the brain phase is a challenging phase because, you know, the brain is mostly fat. And so a lot of these toxins have an affinity. Basically, fat is where we store toxins. A lot of people think we store toxins in the liver, but the liver is really more deactivating toxins and we store them in our fat. And the brain is mostly fat. And so um, it can be challenging, obviously, to get toxins out of the brain. And most people that are doing cleanses and stuff like that are never really moving toxins out of the brain. Yeah. You know, it's so true because I, I just thought of something, you know, when um, someone said, oh, I don't, I don't eat liver because the right. liver is so toxic. It's like, no, actually, the, the liver is actually really clean, uh, it, even in an yeah. animal, right? It's clean. I wouldn't eat the brain, however, because you're right. right. You're right. That is where <laughs> the, a lot of the toxins are, are, are stored. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, crossing the blood-brain barrier. There's a, there's a way to do it right. It, in, in, to the point is when people don't feel well, and they really don't know what's wrong. It typically is a deeper rooted neurotoxic, neuro meaning yeah. brain, right? Nerves that are really toxic. And it's it's not so simple is just take this, right? It's not, you have to do it correctly, you know? And it's, it's my passion to teach it. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, they may have like, let's say um, hormone imbalances, thyroid disorders or uh, PMS, menopause type of issues, breast cancer, things like that. And they think it's related to that organ, but they don't realize that the brain's really communicating with these things. You got your hypothalamus communicating to your pituitary gland, communicating to all your different endocrine organs. And if there's a blockage in that pathway, um, you know, from toxins that can disrupt those organs from being able to function well. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and I don't expect your listeners to, you know, understand the whole, you know, neurological and endocrine system, but I think you can understand this. The pituitary is a gland that sits in the center of the brain and the hypothalamus. Yeah. That is what runs your hormone system. That tells your thyroid what to do. You know, you think about what TSH is. It's yeah. thyroid stimulating hormone released by the pituitary in the brain. And then your adrenals, right? It's like they're all of that is regulated by the brain. You know, is is chiropractors, we understand that the brain yeah. is what heals the body. I mean, That's right. you know, through the spinal cord is all of the nerves that feed intelligence, innate mm -hmm. intelligence to every organ system of the body. So I know that today we hear a lot about the gut, and it is so important because mm -hmm. the gut can in this brain they work simultaneously. But you know, David, we I think we forgot about this the brain, yeah, you know, right. so much. It's so in vogue to talk about the gut, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's like everything that I did for my gut, it really never lasted until I really mm. got this more clean, <laughs> you know, yeah. because ultimately yeah. it still is the first brain. Right. Ultimately, It still is what drives yeah. every system of healing in the body. And yes, it is so important in its connection to the gut brain, but mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you know, we, we've got to go back in realizing yeah. that what runs and heals every aspect of everything in the body is this brain. 
Yeah, yeah, so. yeah so true. And and even in a natural health world, people are putting more emphasis now on the vagus nerve and its connection, its its bilateral communication process with the gut and the brain. So there's this constant communication. And a lot of people with really challenging gut issues and autoimmune issues are not getting better until they start to address vagal tone, right? Improving vagal tone and improving brain function, the brain's ability to communicate well to the gut. Yeah, not to get off on a, a complete tangent, but it, I think it's worth it. You know, so many gut issues are caused by small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. Hmm. And to yeah. your point, like so much of that is because there's a system of nerves that creates motility through yeah. the small intestine. It's called the migrating motor complex. And, and, and there's this balance of the vagus nerve and this migrating motor complex all run by this brain. Right. And so many people have this SIBO, small meaning bacteria yeah. that should be in the large intestine or in the small intestine. And oftentimes it's just trying to kill them, trying to kill them, trying to kill them. And it creates irritable bowel, Crohn's, I mean, all the, I mean, it, it autoimmune, I mean, it, rosacea. I mean, I can go down a list of conditions that's caused by SIBO. A lot of people chasing food intolerances and food mm. allergies, and they have SIBO. And, and you're reacting even to healthy foods oftentimes just because you can't move food right. through your intestines fast enough, and it starts fermenting. And now bacteria that uh, are releasing gas, and you get bloated after meals, et cetera, et cetera. And so much of it is vagal input, brain yeah. input, you know, in this, in this very complicated balance neurotoxins to the point is a big part of that yeah so true and uh, you know talking about SIBO I had irritable bowel in my early 20s and that's actually how I discovered intermittent fasting I know you wrote a book beyond fasting and uh, so I started doing this in 2005 I didn't even know I had never heard the term intermittent fasting yeah. and uh, but I, I did time-restricted feeding I would fast till like two or three o'clock in the afternoon and then eat till about seven o'clock and I had lost 30 pounds. I, so I went from 165 down to 135. And in about three or four months, I gained that weight back. I felt better than ever by doing this. And uh, it was amazing, right? And again, nobody was talking about fasting back then, but now we're talking more about it. You've obviously been using this with a lot of your, your clients seeing great results. You wrote a great book, Beyond Fasting. So let's talk about some of the advanced nutrition strategies in fasting and how that helps us uh, yeah. reduce inflammation and detoxify. Well, you wrote a great book that's uh, right behind you there on fasting. Yeah. And I, I think I wrote some. Uh, um, yes, you did. Uh, you know, look, I, you know I, I fell in love with fasting in the 90s. Um, I always joke because I said it was not cool to fast back then. Matter of fact, most people I've frowned upon fasting. They looked at it as something that lowered the immune system. Um, because we would look at white blood cell counts dropping during a fast. We didn't understand autophagy. We didn't understand that during a fast, your body was getting rid of bad immune cells, you know, senescent cells, cells yeah. that live too long and cause bad immunity. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. we didn't understand any of that, right? Um, but, you know, I was, I went to all of these seminars and um, I didn't fit in with a lot of the people in the seminars because they were mostly um, vegans. And I was, uh, you know, a grass-fed meat eater, right? But <laughs> needless to say, I really resonated with them around the fasting. And I learned a lot. I read every book that I could. And, um, you know, I, it became part of my healing and, and so many. And uh, I, I have had throughout my career remarkable, remarkable things heal via fasting. I, I still believe 
it is the the, the greatest healing modality known yeah. to me. You know, and think about, Dave, I, I know, you know, we both resonate on, you know, just the innate intelligence, right? The body can mm-hmm. heal anything. I mean, just stop everything. Give that innate intelligence a chance to heal and watch yeah. what happens. You know, energy diversion. The body is not utilizing energy on processing food and all the, you know, energy it needs to do that. Mm. And it drives that energy into healing. It's so exciting. You know, it's like the, and the innate intelligence just like goes to work. And, you know, there's nothing more powerful. And that's really, you know, what got me excited about it. I remember a story. I, it was, this is like early on when I was like, I was just so gung ho. I, I mean, I would come back from the seminars and I was reading um, Herbert Shelton's work. And, you know, this woman was like, yeah, they just, you know, she had this tumor and she didn't, you know, want to get another surgery and da, da, da. I said, fast, you know, I said, right. read this. And I was sending her information. She came in one day, I'm fasting. And she was the woman that like she had did enough to realize that they didn't have the answer for her. She Mm. fasted 26, almost 27 days and she stunk up her house. Okay. Her family had to put cross ventilation in because that's how much toxins were pouring out of this. But this tumor that was this big shrunk down to the size of a golf ball. Mm. And she did a couple other fasts after that and she healed herself. Uh, yeah. it, it cost her nothing, you know, but right. the exciting thing was, is that's when I saw, you know, the actual power. I, I think that was my first, like taking book knowledge, right. Yeah. In, about something so amazing that I so strongly believed in outside of my own experience in applying it to somebody and watching the miracles. And since then, you know, I, I can't even count, but, you know, fixing metabolism, right. You know, just again, regulating autoimmunity, downregulating autoimmune, upregulating, good immune system. I mean, all of it, all of it, Dave, is just remarkable what fasting does. Yeah, I always say fasting is really the most ancient, inexpensive, and powerful healing strategy known to mankind. All of our ancestors did it. doesn't cost you anything. It's yeah. built into our blueprint. And uh, But not now there are some key strategies, though. So you don't want to just you know, fast, I mean, you know, depending on your body weight, there's so many different factors. And you talk a lot about that in your beyond fasting. In fact, you talk about feast famine cycling. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, it is. When we look at ancient cultures, you know, most of them were forced into fasting at different times for different reasons, environmentally, um, lack of food for different reasons. But when we look at feast famine, I, I believe that our bodies are set up with that now look when yeah. you look at today's environment we're always in a feast mode like we have right. you know even most poor people in the united states still can eat at 7-eleven or the convenience store on the corner and afford junk food right so yeah. um and, and arguably they're in a feast mode constantly um but we forget about the famine you know but i believe our dna is set up to feast and famine because when mm-hmm. we look at ancient cultures um and i visited them they would, when they had it, oh man, they feasted. Yeah. They weren't worried about their protein consumption. I assure yeah. you, they weren't worried about their fat consumption or definitely not their caloric <laughs> consumption. They ate and they ate. But when they yeah. didn't have it, they didn't have it, right? So feast famine is really what our DNA is set up to do. And I, I believe now after understanding what our bodies go through with this adaptation, that it really causes our bodies to adapt like it has to do with exercise but we become hormonally optimized we become we create more diversity in our microbiome 
Whereas people are always eating the same eight foods, whether it's plant-based, keto, whatever it is, but we end up not having diversity in our microbiome. And look, if there's one thing that we've learned with all the microbiome testing that's become in vogue is that the people that have the most diversity of their microbiome are the healthiest. So then the question is, is how do we create it? We don't create it by taking pills. We don't. And I'm not against taking bacteria or probiotics. But that's not how we create diversity. We create diversity in a microbiome, which equals incredible immunity and health, right? Even genetically. We create it by stressing the microbiome. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? I believe the best way to do it is feast famine. Mm -hmm. you, you go without, you know, you go with high calories some days, low calories some days, high calories. I'm in the book, I call it diet variation. I, I dedicated a few chapters to it because there's weekly strategies, there's monthly strategies, and there's seasonal strategies. And I believe mm -hmm. that learning all of them and applying them, it'll take your health to another level. What are some of the weekly and monthly strategies that people can follow? Yeah, I mean, look, keeping it simple. Monthly, I mean, weekly strategies um, is just simply adding in a few feast days a week. You know, mm -hmm. that could be high protein for you. Um, yeah. Then it could be intermixed with high carbohydrates, right? Either way, it tells your body that, hey, I'm not starving and I have plenty to burn. It actually helps you become a more efficient fat burner. So right now, low carb is very in vogue. Keto, paleo, even, you know, carnivore diets, you know, all of these things are very popular right now, but we're forgetting that high carbs can be just as powerful for different reasons, even high protein. I know long-term protein eating can be problematic and can age you prematurely, but, you know, again, short-term times of high protein can stimulate a pathway called mTOR that is very healing. So weekly variation where you eat one meal one day of during the week, Maybe you do that two or three days in a week. And then you have days where you eat more often during the week or high protein, high carb, feast famine. On a mm -hmm. monthly example, you know, ladies, very important. And this works. Believe me, it works. If you look at what your body's innate intelligence wants to do, if you look at the week before your cycle, that's when most women say, that's when I always break my diet. Right. That's when I always like get the cravings. Maybe, just maybe, your body knows something that you need higher glucose to hi and higher yeah. insulin to make certain hormone conversions. So raising carbohydrates the week before a woman's cycle, it turns out to be magic, especially for yeah. their hormones the rest of the month. And by the way, you can do the same thing with protein and it yeah. works a little differently. And men, we can do it too. I typically will do even five days of super high protein. Um, and man, it's just transformative, even for muscle growth and fat loss. You don't stay there because I would argue, like most do, that high protein that long-term ages you prematurely. And I would say, yeah, you're probably right. But these short bursts of high carbs or high protein can transform us. Okay, so that's monthly. And then um, even taking five days a month and doing a partial fast where you just lower your calories maybe five to 800, right? A partial fast and lower mm -hmm. your protein below 20. Do that for five days a month watch what happens, right? I mean, it, it's that's a famine, right? You, we created yeah. a famine within the month and you create a feast within the month, weekly or monthly. So anyways, these strategies, you know, are fantastic. And look, you know, seasonally, some people just do a seasonal variation. They go high carb, um, maybe in the spring, you know, in the winter, they'll go low carb. I think that's a great strategy. But 
I'm probably more, um, I get bored very easy. So I'm like, I'll do keto um, for a period of time and then I'll move out of keto and go high carb for a couple of weeks, you know, but yeah. I'm metabolically flexible so I can shift within two weeks, um, no problem. Uh, you know, so I vary my diet probably faster and more often than most people, but I get bored. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite food products. I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for healthy snack options or, you know, really healthy food, sometimes it can be hard to find a gut-friendly, gluten-free snack option. And that's why you need to know about Paleo Valley. They're 100% grass-fed beef and 100% pasture-raised turkey meat sticks are not only loaded with delicious flavor, but they are completely free of carbs and sugar. Such a great bioavailable protein snack to grab on the go. I oftentimes will eat them with meals too. Like if I eat a meal and I'm still a little bit hungry, feel like I need a little bit more protein and healthy fats, I go ahead and have them. You know, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free, GMO-free, preservative-free. I mean, what's not to love about that? On top of that, they actually also have probiotics in them as well. So you're getting the protein, healthy fats, and you're getting probiotics, lots of key minerals and nutrients in there, and they taste amazing. And now you can use my coupon code, JOCKERS, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter JOCKERS at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. My kids and I absolutely love them, and I know your family will too. So try them out today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I always do. I do two days a week where I do a 24-hour fast, roughly like a 22 to 24-hour fast. Yeah, me too. When I eat, I usually eat a lot of protein in my meals, right? But I just, I have those breaks, right? Where I'm, where I'm obviously not eating anything. So I'm real low protein. So I'm getting that autophagy boosted up and uh, that seems to work great. And then from time to time, a higher carb day, throwing that in there, especially if you're noticing that you're doing low carb, you're fasting and your energy's dropping, get a high carb day or two. A lot of Magic. times that can really boost you. So yep. really good Magic. stuff. You know, and when you look at varying your diet, right? We, here's what happens, right? People go, I went vegetarian, whatever it is, vegan, vegetarian, and I felt so much better. Well, I'm sure you did. Because when you change your diet, there's typically a time where you feel like crap mm. for three days to a week, and then you all of a sudden feel amazingly better. Yeah. You know, and there's many reasons for that. But, you know, be, but because you felt better, now that becomes your diet. Now, it's same with keto, same with, yeah, I could go down the list. Yeah. So we have people just camped out in their diet. But right. arguably, when you're eating the same foods all the time, that's what we tend to do. Mm. So if you're a vegetarian or if you're a paleo person, you tend to eat the same eight foods. Trust yeah. me, you do. Right. You gravitate <laughs> to the avocado, you gravitate to the eggs, you grab yeah. whatever it is, you tend to eat the same eight foods. What starts to happen is you lose diversity in your microbiome. And it's, it's not my opinion, it's proven. So when all of a sudden now you shift to a completely different diet, 
your microbiome has to adjust to make different enzymes to break down these different foods. So you have this microbiome shift, which creates all this diversity. It, it's pretty remarkable. So there was a guy that I interviewed, um, Alan Dannenberg. He's a, he was supposed to die in 2018 of severe bone cancer. He's still alive. And I keep interviewing him to show people he's still going, you know, but um, anyways, he went uh, full carnivore. And I mean, who does that when you have cancer, right? Yeah, right. I thought you were supposed to do plant-based. Well, you know, the guy's very smart. He did a lot of research and it, it was transformative for him. One thing that you would think by just eating, for your listeners that don't know what carnivore is, it's just eating meat and fat in some organ meats, right? So that's it. No mm-hmm. vegetables, no fruit. It sounds very unhealthy. Yeah. Okay. It transformed his health. And one of the big things he just recently sent me, his, his diversity in his microbiome was extraordinary. Now, wow. he went carnivore for a, a while because when he would add plants back in, he would seem to get sick. But now he has diversity again, right? But it's it's still, you know, he's in carnivore, then maybe he's not for a bit, but then he's back in carnivore. But it, he has this incredible diversity in his microbiome. Mm. Yeah, so. Wow, you know, anyways, it's interesting. It, yeah, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, always try to shelf what you think you know. Right, you know, exactly. Never, because it's, <laughs> it's oftentimes, especially in regards to health, because we're dealing with a vitalistic organism, oftentimes it's not what we think. So even yeah. my, I apply that even to my own knowledge and learning base. And I go, just maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. You know, what, what, you know maybe that isn't correct, right? So yeah. I, I'm not afraid to do that. And, you know, some of those strategies really challenged even me. Yeah, we got to keep an open mind. I think about it like a bell curve. So if you've got this bell curve, you've got like 20% on, let's say, the far left side and 20% on the far right. And the 20% on the far left can do very well on a vegetarian style diet with like maybe five to maybe at most 10% that can actually thrive in a vegan diet, right? Real high carb, low fat vegan diet. And then on the far right, you've got this five to 10% that might be able to thrive on like a carnivore diet, you know, maybe up to 20% that do better on a very meat centric diet. And then in the middle, you've got this 80% that really can do well on both, right? Some may do a little bit better, you know, on one side with a little bit more meat, less vegetables, the other side, a little bit less meat, a little bit more vegetables. But those are the people that can really do a lot of variation in there. And then you've got those outliers that we see. And I hear you, man, because I always say, look, genetically, how long someone will be successful one day diet, absolutely genetics play a role in that. But I would argue, though, that every one of those people benefit from diet variation mm-hmm. because of the stress it creates, the microbiome yeah. has to shift, and it creates diversity. So, you know, how long you spend in one of those diets, um, you know, what do you like the best? If you look at my wife, if you watch her plate, she eats the veg- she goes for the vegetables first. And then and she rarely ever finishes her meat. If you look at my plate, I go right for my meat and I rarely finish my vegetables. Okay. So, yeah. you know, again, I would argue genetically, we are absolutely two different people. However, we have both taken our health to a whole nother level 
um, with diet variation, meaning she needs variation as much as I do. I need variation as much yeah. as you do, but we both gravitate, you know, to she gravitates right. to plant-based, I gravitate to more meat and fat to your point. Right. Yeah. But we both, we both need variation in our diet. Yeah. And I would argue even her, because she was actually on a, a vegetarian diet for some years. She actually got sick uh, on mm -hmm. the diet and my father convinced her to add meat in her diet. He convinced her to eat some meat at dinner. I remember, and so does she, when that happened. And she ate it and felt better the next day. And then she started eating it and all her symptoms went away. So, you know, my wife, though, does grab, I mean, she'll do better with a higher plant-based diet, no doubt. But when she went, it took her probably four years to get sick, you know, whereas I probably would have developed symptoms after a year. Right. Um, to your point, I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you have to know your threshold mm -hmm. for how much variation or stress you can put on your system, right? Now, so, yeah, fasting is a stress to your point yeah. here too. That look, you know, again, even when I'm dealing with someone who has different health problems, fasting is critical, but know yeah. that fasting is a stress, right? And we, and we have to use the stress exercise, incredibly healthy. Yeah. But when I was sick, I couldn't exercise, right? Or right. I just had to like take walks in the sunshine. You know, God forbid I walked fast, I'd be wiped out for a day. So yeah. you have to, you know, utilize these stresses correctly. Yeah, exactly. So I always tell people it's all about building your fasting fitness, right? You got to think about it like exercise. If you wanted to go and get in good shape, you wouldn't just start running a, you know, a mile. You would walk. You would go out and you take a walk first. And it's kind of the same thing with fasting. You kind of lean into it, right? And just really I monitor your body and how you're responding. In the introduction in my book, I say that. I say, you don't just run a marathon. Yeah. You, you train for it. Now, right. look, I, let's face it. I, you could run. Some people could just run a marathon very slowly. But to get better results, you train for it. So my book is about that. It takes you yeah. step by step in each chapter on how to get the maximum results out of a fast, whether it's a water fast, a five-day water fast, partial fast, whatever it is. But it's how to maximize that. And it kind of takes yeah. you through the steps. Now, what are some good things people can do while they're fasting to even get better results? Maybe supplements or other strategies, sauna, things like that to really get the best results while they're doing a fast. Yeah, look, um, there's things there's uh, things called synolytics um, mm -hmm. that actually help your body create more autophagy. And just in review, autophagy yeah. means your body will eat bad cells, not eat good cells. So we want a lot of autophagy during a fast. Literally yeah. in the book, I tell you how to measure that autophagy to see when you're at max autophagy. And, but we can take certain things actually. And um, with a friend of mine, we created some suppositories actually that you can take hmm. even during a water fast to increase that. And I created an oral product called yeah. cytophagy, meaning self-phagy, uh, mm -hmm. and um, that you could take during a fast to actually increase um, and again, I did to look at some of those ingredients in there, you know, there's, they're very well researched. Now, yeah. um, some of the ways we do to maximize the fast is we stimulate stem cell production after the fast, eating high protein after yeah. you fast, not right away because you have to get your <laughs> HCL back up, but, you know, moving into higher protein after a fast will really help feed some of the new stem cells that your body's creating. And there's some even products you could take to help with that. Um, you know, things like NAD actually mm -hmm. can help um, with that process and getting cell energy up. And we like to even do that before a fast. 
Yeah, it makes sense. So now how about like binders and, and other detox supplements while somebody's fasting? A lot of the symptoms that um, people get during a fast where they go, gosh, I just get yeah. so sick, it's, it's toxins. So uh, in my book, I talk about uh, the fasting trio which yeah. is three products that we just learned over the years that help. Mm -hmm. One of them is a gut binder that prevents auto intoxication during fasting. It's called bind. Um, another one is called cytodetox that we use during our fast a lot, which is just a general binder. And then the other one is a molecular hydrogen product we call fast tonic that molecular mm -hmm. hydrogen gets rid of hydroxy free radicals that you tend people mm -hmm. tend to build up during fasting and it just kind of mitigates that and decreases uh, the symptoms so the fasting trio um, again it's yeah. you can it's in my book but. yeah it's important because when you're fasting especially doing an extended fast you are going to have fat cell induced uh, toxins that are released from the fat cells so fat cell induced endotoxemia and then we also have gut-induced uh, toxins, right? So from bacteria that are dying off. And so we really have to have good eliminatory channels for that. So the fat-induced toxins are oftentimes gonna end up in the bloodstream. So you want a good binder that's gonna be able to get in the bloodstream. So you were talking about your cytodetox. And then you want something that's gonna be in the gut to handle the bacterial waste that's yeah. dying off. Yeah, yeah. You know, another, you actually you know, brought another great point up, you know, these endogenous toxins that yep things are dying off, you're releasing, a lot of that goes into your lymphatics. Yeah. And um, often there are times just physical lymph work mm. um, is very helpful uh, for people during fasting. And of course, there's some lymph yeah. products as well, but uh, physical lymph work, um, mm. I mean, there's so much out there. On, of course, most people have heard of lymph brushing, right. light trampolining, walking. Walking is yeah. an incredible lymph mover. You know, but mobilizing lymph, red light therapy, you talk a lot yeah. about that, mm -hmm. that helps, but mobilizing lymph during a fast is mm. uh, very critical as well. Yeah. I tell people, I'm like, you're saving money on food. So take that money and go to the spa and get a good massage too. Yeah. Right. It's, right? it's mobilizing lymph, honestly. So what are, uh, what are some of your other key supplements? Let's say not in a fast, right. That somebody could look at for detoxification, for reducing inflammation in their body. What would be a good uh, strategy or protocol for somebody? You know what? Let, let me just I, I, it's remind people of an old one, but a good one. You can find it on Amazon, and it's uh, good old Wobenzyme. Right? Oh, yeah. Wobenzyme, enzymes. German enzymes they put together. And I, I think a better one's the Wobenzyme N. It's a little stronger. But, you yeah. know, systemic enzymes, you have to take them 45 minutes away from food. Otherwise, the right. enzymes digest food. But gosh, it is such a great, inexpensive, mm -hmm. just de-inflamer, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. we hear a lot about curcumin, turmeric, and all that. I mean, I don't want to, but, you know, we forget about the old Wobenzyme. I mean, man, arterial inflammation, cellular, general inflammation, it's pain. Yeah. I mean, just pain yeah. in general. And so many people lack enzymes for different reasons. And when you add these in, you can buy a bottle of like 300 of these for like a hundred bucks because yeah. you need a, a higher doses works better. Like, so three, three pills, three times a day away from food. Uh, I mean, it just, yeah. it works for healthy people. People just right. feel better. So, <laughs> but you do need problem. high doses at times. Yeah. I, I uh, sprained my ankle and I was taking like a hundred a day. And I mean, I was back up and doing everything I wanted to do after like four or five days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. We, you know, we hear so much 
about all these other things, right? You know, that, yeah. that, you know, people focus on, but we forget about the old, you know, yeah. systemic enzymes. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, when I, I, I like juicing celery, turmeric and ginger, mm. that triple combination. Combo. Um, and it's, it's simple, it's easy and it works. I mean, yeah. again, it, it is a really, I think it's better than taking pills. Um, you know, if you get the, the old omega juicer that turns this way, those things yeah. juice better in the, um, what, what are these called? Uh, these types of the squeezing, one. like the what, centrifuge. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, not, yeah. Well, no, it's not the one that spins fast. It's the, it, it's the masticator masticator. Yeah, thank you. That, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> that's the one. I mean, you can get those juicers online for the, you know, inexpensive yeah. now, like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. But anyways, those three things juice the best in that type of juicer. Yeah. And it's easy to clean. And it's, you know, if you did that twice a week, you'd yeah. notice a difference in your inflammation. Yeah. You throw that ginger in there though. That's uh, that's got a bite to it. It, it does. It'll wake yeah. you up. Careful on the, the ginger. I like when, for my wife, she, she requires <laughs> very little ginger because it will uh, burn. Yeah. And the turmeric, you have to be careful because it stains glasses. Right. So you <laughs> just, just don't it spill in. it on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't like get it on like uh, a counter that, you know, yeah, just be careful. Yeah. But that's great to take, especially like right before a meal too, because that will stimulate the vagus nerve, stimulate stomach acid production, really prep your body for good digestion. And it's simple. I mean, you could add a little stevia or something to it to take the the bite down. Some people put a little lemon or lime with it. Kind of changes the uh, the bite a little bit. But just throw it down and eat something after. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So good. Now let's talk a little bit about stem cells. I know you've been doing a lot of work with stem cells. So what have you found with, you know, obviously there's natural ways and I know that, uh, you know, there's supplements that can help with that. Fasting helps with stem cells, but also stem cell therapy that's out there. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a strong believer in it. Um, gosh, you know, I, years ago I, I injured my back severely and uh, once a year I was, would get these episodes that would just put me flat, couldn't hmm. move. And then it went to twice a year. Then it went to four times a year. Then I couldn't ski. Right. So that's when yeah. I said, okay, I'm not getting surgery. And that's when I started uh, really researching uh, stem cells and it transformed my back. I mean, I, I haven't had an episode since, you know, it's been over four years uh, since I got the procedure done and um, I can pick up hundred pound dumbbells now. Right. It's like, yeah. uh, I, I don't have back stiffness in the morning anymore. Uh, so all of that was due to stem cells. I injured my meniscus. Uh, I owe stem cells to fixing that. Hmm. So, you know, stem cells have been very, very good to me. Now with that caution, uh, not every stem cell is created equal, right? Um, I, I think that if you're generally healthy, utilizing your own stem cells is probably a very good idea. Um, if you're older and not so healthy, maybe it's not a good idea, but you right. have to be careful then of, are you getting a good stem cell product, a good source? Um, you know, that, that in fact does matter. Look, I, let me give people, let, let's just say you have a, a nagging joint and you've been, mm -hmm. I just had this conversation with someone yesterday. Um, it was their elbow actually they were telling me about. I said, look, don't, don't go right to stem cells. Start with prolosome, which is yeah. basically some, uh, it's a sugar dextrose solution with some B vitamins followed by ozone. It's cheap. Start yeah. there. If after three or four times it's not working, then you can go to PRP, which is they take your own blood, spin it down, 
and there's some matrix in there that helps the healing. It's a little more expensive. And if that mm -hmm. doesn't work, <laughs> then go to stem cells. Mm. So there is a progression that you can do, you know, the, you know, starting with the prolosome, the PRP, and then the stem cells. Um, but it, look, they work. Yeah, it's really good to know. And what are some things people can do outside of fasting too that can help with their own body's production of stem cells, getting these young embryonic cells, getting rid of the senescent cells and helping repair areas? Yeah, um, I, I created a product, as I said, for fasting called Cytophagy. Yeah. Cytostem Surge was a product I created for after fasting that does mm. just that. The ingredients are designed to stimulate stem cell production. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, um, I, we talked about feast and famine, um, right. feasting on those high protein times. You can actually get some stem cell production after a fast, your body okay. goes to autophagy. And when you start feeding, it starts producing stem cells. Uh, so right. that is, um, obviously the inexpensive way to do it, but you want to feed those stem cells. I, so I like to feed, that's why I created the product for myself, uh, for after yeah. fasting that these things that help feed uh, the stem cells. Um, but also just eating high protein and, um, you know, really feasting helps feed yeah. stem cells as well. But, you know, look, I, I mean, stem cell production is, um, obviously part of it, but the other thing is, is the healthier you become the more viable, mm. meaning active and, you know, vigorous your stem cells are and it right. keeps you young. Yeah. We want those really good stress resilient cells with healthy mitochondria. So that feast famine cycling really helps with that because we break down all the damaged cellular organelles, things like damaged mitochondria. We form new healthy mitochondria. And then our body will also form these new younger embryonic cells at the end of the fast. And then we can feed them like you were talking about, get the protein, get the nutrients that they need so they can thrive. Yeah, exactly. Yep, so good. Now, how about heat and cold therapy? What are your thoughts on those for reducing inflammation, improving cellular health? Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I, I think that, you know, when we look at what, what happens during cold, right? Uh, it, it's a great point because when we talk about fasting, it's a stress. And yeah. when your body adapts to a stress, whether it be fasting or exercise, your body gets better, it gets stronger. If it doesn't adapt, then it arguably gets weaker. Well, cold therapy is the same thing. You, your body goes into a panic. It thinks it's going to die. So it releases norepinephrine. Norepinephrine has a de-inflammatory effect throughout your right. body, right? So it's doing this all in the hopes to survive. <laughs> it yeah. raises growth hormone. It's, it wants to go into this healing mode oh, the threat's gone in three minutes and you've just hormonally optimized and de-inflamed your body. And, and then we can, you know, hot, cold is magic because it's a stress. Your body's adapting. So, but as to you, your point earlier, that it, some people, they're not able to handle the stress of hot or cold or at least right. long. So listen yeah. to your body. When I was sick, I couldn't even get in a sauna mm. for more than you know, 10 minutes because I would just be wiped out and mm. let alone the adaptation. If I would go out on cold days, I would get a headache because I couldn't adapt to the cold. So the point is, is use hot cold like exercise. It can be incredible, right. but it also can be a negative if you do too much. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, also another strategy is exercising in a fasted state, right? For somebody that's, you know, really building health 
and uh, how that can obviously increase autophagy and take things to the next level. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So again, uh, it depends on the person. Yeah. You know, so that if very, very sick people, I find that exercising during a fast is taking the yeah. energy away from healing and I don't recommend it. Um, however, healthy people can do it and they have enough energy to do both. Even myself who has enough en uh, energy to exercise in a fasted state, I typically wait till the last day yeah. when the body is starting to rise up the stem cells and the growth hormone rises each day of a fast. And I, I maximize that growth hormone surge by exercising and driving it even further. Yeah. And so I typically do five day fasts and I exercise on day five. And I, I just find that for most people to be the most effective biohack to produce yeah. more stem cells, to ride out growth hormone and drive healing even further. So I like to exercise the last day of a fast. Yeah. Well, this has been a great interview, Dr. Pompa. We've gotten we've gone through so much. Feast, famine, cycling. We've talked about the five R's of cellular healing. We talked about uh, a lot of your top detoxification strategies. Is there any last words of inspiration or anything else that you want to add for our audience? Yeah, I mean, all of these things. Um, but our thoughts are still very important, right? Yeah. Especially in this time that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, because many people, are really becoming isolated, fearful, yeah. focused on fear. What you focus on and how you perceive your world is how your world becomes around you, right? And so you could do all of these wonderful things, you know, but if you're driving a fear state, you know, um, you're driving inflammation. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I, I guess, you know, my advice would be this, right? You know, I chose but when this whole pandemic started i said this is going to be the greatest time for myself and my family mm. and we really set that intention so set a new intention all right and yeah. and just say okay you know how can i utilize this time and uh, if you set that intention your world will become that you know so set some health intentions change your thoughts change your cells Great interview, Dr. Pampa. Great words of inspiration. Really appreciate all of your time. And guys, we'll see you in a future interview. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.